Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Devo with Patrick and Jamie. We're excited to jump into the scripture with you again uh, today. So wherever you're at, I don't know where you listen to this Devo. If you're uh, driving in a car somewhere, if you're at home, if you're in your room, if you're listening uh, in your house out loud or just on your phone, in the earphones, wherever you are at, uh, it's a privilege for both of us to be able to be with you in that. You know, I I sometimes think, what if someone printed out the transcript of this episode and read it? They would be blessed, I think, Patrick. Blessed beyond. They, they could take notes. <laughs> Easily. You know, one time I did uh, try to take a transcript from a sermon that I gave, and I realized how choppy my speaking ends up being when you have to you have to translate it. I tried to make Google do that for me, and it was a nightmare. Oh, well, now now that I have that thought in my mind as we start to record, <laughs> that's all I'm going to be thinking about. That's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, you just got to go with the flow when we when we do this. And I think, you know, that's actually helpful for studying scripture. Um, sometimes we think we have to use special words or we have to have the right language or we have to have these perfectly formed thoughts. And I think God kind of works uh, with the messiness of life. Yeah. And sometimes the messiness of life is an incomplete thought or just the spark of a thought. And then uh, it might change. It might get to go to a different, uh, a different place. When I was a kid, I'll never forget this preschool. Uh, when you're in preschool, usually they give you crayons and markers that can't make too much of a mess because preschoolers aren't good at, yeah. uh, at keeping things clean. They just jump in there. And I had yeah. this teacher, and I think she was brilliant because she did this thing where she mixed together like chocolate syrup and then rolled out these large sheets of white butcher paper. Oh, and yeah. And we just got to rub our fingers in the chocolate syrup to make art with our hands. Nice. And you could smell the chocolate, and of course, some kids tasted it, which is kind of gross. Um, but there was just something so much fun about having a big giant mess and having it be art. And it didn't matter what you made. It, it mattered most that you were in the process and having fun in the process. And, you know, in the world of faith, I think too much, we think about the future of it. We think about the end result of it instead of thinking about being in the process of, uh, living out our faith. Uh, because it is the process of living out our faith where uh, where we're made, where the end kind of result will will be made in that process. So, yeah. you ready to get messy, Patrick? Yeah, you know that's a great segue into what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about someone who lived out their faith perfectly, one hundred percent on Earth, and then the story that we're going to dive into is the ascension of Jesus, obviously. Uh, from Luke chapter 24, if you're going to follow along in your Bible, uh, we're going to check out verses 46 through 53. Here we go out of the gospel of Luke. Jesus told the disciples, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And the repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. 
When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethlehem, he lifted his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Cool. Thanks for reading, Pat. I appreciate your, uh, your reading of that passage. Uh, we are looking at what's called the Ascension of Jesus. Now, you know, in my head, when I think about it, I think about Jesus just putting his arms out and floating into the air and kind of waving goodbye to his buddies. Um, you know, the, the life of Jesus, if we look at it, there's this, there's a couple like big words and there's some things that happen to Jesus that are significant. And, and one of them is, is a word that people call the incarnation and, and incarnate incarnation means like in the flesh. Um, I always think about it when I think about a carne asada burrito because carne asada is like, <laughs> it means flesh, right? The carne. Um, so incarnation, it's like in the flesh. And so when Jesus came in the flesh as a baby, that's, that was a big deal, right? So it's God coming from heaven, coming into earth in the flesh as a baby. And then we think about Jesus dying um, on a cross and then Jesus is dead. And then we have Jesus in the resurrection where Jesus comes back to life, which is pretty cool. But, yeah. you know, he didn't just keep like chilling, hanging out showing up. Otherwise you could go see Jesus today. Uh, you know, look at him with your own eyes, kind of like doubting Thomas had to touch his side and his hands to, to make sure that it was really Jesus. Um, for us, we don't have the ability to see, uh, which is a big deal in the gospels, the idea of seeing and believing, Yeah. but, uh, especially gospel of John in, in this story here, we see that Jesus, uh, is now actually ascending. He's going back to his rightful place, uh, which is a pretty crazy deal, you know? And, uh, and we see that this is what's happening in this passage. So, um, I don't know, Patrick, when you read this passage, what does it look like when Jesus ascends? Uh, I feel like there's the famous, there's the famous statue of Jesus kind of standing on top of a mountain with his arms out. I mm. just pictured that him standing like that and then like blasting off like a rocket ship. <laughs> I like it, man. Like uh, smoke comes out and then all like of a sudden, whew, yeah. Maybe he started rising slowly and then like faster and faster and faster. It, it would have to be weird. It, it's funny. It's just one little line in here, right? Right. So it's, it's uh, verse 51 while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Yeah. Boom. That's it. Right. So like, in the midst of, so it says while he was blessing them, which is kind of a crazy thought. So like, you know, in the midst of uh, blessing them, he's still giving them blessings, which is such a cool thing, by the way, that Jesus um, lifts up his hands and he's blessing the people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, in the midst of that, he's taken into heaven. So it's not even like he's like, okay, guys, I'm out now. Bye. He just like, like goes up. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> this is interesting because if you think, like, think about it, um, Jesus here, he, he leads them out. This is verse 50. He led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, which is outside of Jerusalem, which is a very, you know, common place um, mm -hmm. for him to be uh, the home of Mary and Martha, I think it was Bethany. Um, and so there, this is a place that probably they're very familiar with, right? He lifted yeah. up his hands. So you think about Jesus standing there, lifting his hands up, just like you said, you know, this kind of hands out wide. 
and he he starts to bless them, and then he's lifted up. Well, the last time he had had his hands like that could have been potentially when he was on the cross, right, with his hands out wide, right. But yeah. their response is totally different to that. Yeah. When Jesus died on the cross, the response was people ran away from him. People were sad. People were um, terrified uh, because of the earthquake and the darkness and all the things that happened. But here they have a response. And I think today that's kind of what I'm like most curious about in this whole passage is the response of the disciples who are with Jesus at this point, right? How, how do they respond to him? Yeah. So, um, yeah. And and if I saw Jesus blast up into heaven like a rocket ship, my response would probably be maybe fear, I think. That'd be weird, you know? I'd be a little like freaked out about that whole thing or it could be like you know yelling take me with you or uh hey get back down here um <laughs> i still need you here like why are you leaving right. uh right um it, but they have a totally different response yeah they sit and they continually praise god and i just really really like that um for them in that in that time you know, obviously they probably had never seen a rocket take off. I don't think rockets were around then. The only things that would fly were, um, birds, um, animals of the air. Uh, and so I think them seeing a human, you know, if Jesus did ascend slowly, um, if like that was something that they actually physically witnessed, um, in that time, because they don't know any anything else, I think I would probably praise God too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, praising God is is usually, and this is probably good for all of us to know. Um, it's always the right thing to do. <laughs> it's right? a good response to a lot of things. It is, you know, praising God is a good response to a lot of things. When um, when times are tough, praise God. When times are good, praise God. When you're confused, praise God. When you have a lot yeah. of understanding, praise God, you know, um, and and sometimes that can be kind of crippling for us because we think like, oh, like I, oh man, I have a lot of praising God that I have to do, but praising God is something that yes, it's something you force yourself to do, right? You have you have a, a, an act of the will to praise God, like you have to decide I'm going to praise God. Yeah. Um, you have some involvement in it, but sometimes it's spontaneous, you know, it just like comes out of you, right? It's like. You're so excited at what God is doing that you feel almost like you don't have a choice. You're just into it. You just give in and you just let the praise happen, which is an amazing place to be. And that's kind of how it feels right here is is these disciples, these people who are following Jesus um, and their kind of group that surrounds them. Uh, this is a smaller number of people, by the way. This isn't like 3,000 people yet. Um, this is uh, 70-ish people, maybe 120 people, that kind of a number. Um, so it's dozens of people who are, uh, who are then praising him and who are in this moment of worship. Um, right. Pretty cool. Yeah. So, and I think about what would it look like for um, us? Like you were saying, uh, we praise God and sometimes we like have to, f it's a little forced what would our lives look like if we, if praising God was just something that we did day, like day in and day out without thinking about it, without noticing it, um, praising God, 
like completely in everything. I know I, I don't, I probably don't praise God enough. You know what I mean? And not, yeah, not yeah, probably, yeah. I know I don't praise God enough. I don't yeah. spend very much time every day praising God for everything. Yeah. Um, and there's even things, big things in my life that I have probably have never praised God for at all. Um, but what would it look like? What would the world look like if everyone praised God and everything without it being forced? Hmm. That would be pretty cool. Be different. Just us being like followers of Christ and being public about it, um, talking about it, not hiding that is us praising God without thinking about it a little bit. But what if it was to this in this passage? What if it was to that extent? Yeah. Yeah. And something happens here too. That's pretty, pretty uh, crazy here. It says they worshiped him, um, which is very specific language, right? They're worshiping Jesus and they didn't necessarily know that Jesus was God, right? That wasn't something that had been completely known yet. Right. Um, and you didn't, you know, you weren't supposed to worship other people. Uh, that was not, um, something that was allowed, you know, the only person worthy of worship is God. And right. so now that Jesus has ascended into heaven, they're like, oh, you know, they get it. This, and there's a lot of question in scripture. When did the disciples fully get it? Like, when did they really know? And some people would say, oh, it, it must be at Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes down. And well, Pentecost hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Some people would say it was in the upper room um, when they, they, they saw uh, there, there's, there's a little bit of debate on like exactly. And the truth is like, we don't really know. We can just kind of look and see what it says in scripture. And in this passage, it says they worshiped him, which is really cool. Cause they finally were like, this guy isn't just a teacher. This is God. And they worshiped him as God. And then what did they do? And th- this is crazy to me. Like, they're probably wondering like, well, what do we do now? He led us out here to Bethany. And then he, he's like, peace out. He's gone. We're going to worship him. And they're like, uh, now what? And so the now what is they go to church, right? They go, they go back to Jerusalem, uh, which is the big city. They go back to the big city and they do that. It says with great joy, which is kind of a fun way of doing it. Um, I don't know, Pat, if you've ever gone on a mission trip or a camp or uh, something like that where you're driving back on the bus and people just have a great sense of joy because of what God was doing and because they've been worshiping God. Um, For me, my experience of that, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but definitely a while ago, and we were coming back from a mission trip and someone in in the van, we were in a small van, got out a guitar and started playing worship songs. And as they started playing the worship songs, um, they weren't like the best guitarist in the world. They just knew a few chords. Someone else started singing and then someone else started singing. And the next thing you know, we're in the bus driving back from this, this mission trip thing. And everyone is worshiping God with great wow. joy. And we all got out of that bus and, you know, sometimes camps can be long. You can be tired and you don't come back with joy. You come back with just a sense of like defeat because you're so tired and exhausted and you just want to sleep. But we were tired and exhausted, but had joy. And so I see the disciples as coming back into Jerusalem with that kind of same thing. They've just gone through a really hard time. They've gone through a lot. 
their teacher is is has encouraged them by appearing to them, but now is gone. Um, and they should be tired. Yeah. And instead, they're like, "Hey, we're gonna go to church." It says they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Yeah. And you know, we can all relate to the disciples very, very well, um, and personally at this point, because the disciples were worshiping uh, Jesus God. Um, when Jesus wasn't on earth anymore and that's, that's all of us, you know, we worship, we worship God and he's not here. Yeah. The disciples had that experience and that teaching and that learning with Jesus in the flesh, but now they don't and they recognize that and they can still, if they can still worship God, so can we. Yeah. And the disciples have a really unique perspective of being able to know what it's like to live on the earth Uh, And not knowing Jesus at all, not even knowing that there was a Messiah, that there was a need for a Messiah. You know, they they grew up in that era. um, And then they have the experience, the unique experience of physically being with Jesus, seeing Jesus, being taught from Jesus. And then they also have the experience of what it's like to live in the world without Jesus. And and that is such a unique uh, take, uh, a unique perspective that not all of us have. Now, what all of us do have, and when we share our testimonies, and I know some people have done that, we know what it's like to, most people uh, know what it's like to be without God and know what it's like when God shows up. And then they know what it's like now uh, when God has shown up and God has given you a call to follow him. And now you're trying to follow him. Um, So I think all of us kind of have a little bit of a, a smaller example of what it's like for the disciples. Um, but man, I just love the fact that they go back to the temple and praise God. Um, you know, one reason they might have gone back to the temple, there's all sorts of different reasons for it. But one of them is that the temple in, in Judaism, which was the religion that all of them practiced and knew was the place where God was supposed to be. The presence of God was most, uh, real at the temple. And, and it even said that, you know, the ark uh, that was in the Holy of Holies was the footstool uh, of God. So the idea of God is up in heaven, well, his his feet then might rest down um, on the ark or, or in the Holy of, of Holies where the presence of God would be. And so um, God has ascended up into heaven and they thought, well, maybe the closest place we can get to, to being in the presence of God is going to be in the temple. So, uh, that's mm. where they went. And I think that that was common uh, for people who had very deep religious experiences and convictions to stay in the temple for like significant amounts of time yeah. uh, and worshiping for significant amounts of time. Yeah. And for the disciples also, um, I could see them going to the temple because that's the place where they believed you could be the closest to God. Um, so they can continue to be as close as possible. I mean, cause yeah. they got closer than anyone, you know, they, they physically touched Jesus, walked with him, ate with him, sat with him. And now they can't. Um, but they still longed and desired for that connection. And this was the next, this was the, yeah. the best thing after that. This was the next best thing. And you know where they didn't go, and I, I kind of find it interesting, they didn't go back to where he was crucified. They didn't go back to the cross. Uh, hmm. They didn't go back to the grave where they knew yeah. he had been. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the symbols of death and of, of loss uh, were no longer 
the most powerful symbols for them uh, because Jesus was alive and Jesus was in heaven. And so um, it's real poignant, I think, that they go back to the temple uh, and they go back to um, the true God because worshiping God, like, like if you don't know Jesus, and but you are of the Jewish faith and you do um, worship God, uh, that is God. And Jesus is God. And so uh, they do go back to God. Jesus didn't um, usurp or overtake God's authority. Uh, Jesus Mm. was obedient to God's authority and to God's power. And so, you know, by going back and worshiping, they're not saying, oh, we're just going back to our original religion. Uh, They're saying, wait, there's Jesus. And, you know, we're going to go back to God. Um, but there's this Jesus person. Another thought too is possibly they were going back to the temple to share about the faith. Now it mm. doesn't say that that happens until until uh, a little bit later, but the temple was a place where teaching and ideas uh, would spread and were given, and it would have been a proper place to do that. So mm. uh, that was that was probably. In someone's mind, I imagine at the point um, here too in this, where they want other people to know about this Jesus person. Uh, Jerusalem is ablaze probably already with people talking about it. Like, hey, that Jesus guy, you know, they killed him. That was a big deal. Uh, and and now they're probably starting to hear rumors that he's, he's actually not dead. He's alive. Uh, yeah. And those are the people that are the that are the witnesses. They're the ones who can witness to it. And so, you know, witnessing to something back then was such a big deal. You know, if you had two witnesses confirm something, it was as good as is a hundred percent truth. If someone gave false testimony, if if you had a couple of people say something that wasn't true, the punishment for that wasn't like, you know, people didn't trust you anymore. The punishment is that person could be put to death for basically lying in court. Um, so it was a big deal to be a witness. Yeah. And so the disciples here are the ones who are uh, uh, are having to witness to this. And it even says here in verse 48, um, where Jesus tells them, you are witnesses of these things. Um, so Jesus is reminding them that, you know, their, their witness is important. To the world, um, yeah. Sharing what they've seen is what's important to the world. Yeah, there's no iPhones then. You couldn't take a <laughs> right. uh, you couldn't take a Snapchat video of it happening, and that was the the witness. You know, it was all word of mouth. Um, That's right. They right. probably didn't have time to pull out the sketch pad and draw it, even <laughs> uh, get out the stone tablet and yeah. you know do a little sculpture. Yeah, I mean, it was it was on them. Um, yeah. They're what they saw. And to all share, you know, share amongst themselves, but also to the people that were not believers yet, to the people who um, didn't even know any of this was happening. It was, yeah. you know. You know, I've thought for a long time, like, what would happen if, like, why didn't Jesus come at the time where there were iPhones and there were cameras and, that way we would have a video of Jesus turning water into wine, or we would have a video of Jesus feeding the 5,000, or we'd have, you know, a video of Jesus walking on the water. You know, Peter didn't step out of the boat. He, uh, got out, he got, got out his camera and 
took a uh, Instagram story of Jesus walking on water, right? Like <laughs> I've thought about that before and, and I thought, man, so many more people would believe. And a friend of mine pointed out and he said, no, they wouldn't. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, nah. He's like, do you believe everything you see? Every video that you see, do you believe that it's 100% truth? Hmm. And uh, I thought about it. And then recently this whole idea, I don't know, Pat, if you've heard of these whole deep fake things that are out there. Um, it's high quality videos that people make that are fake and they look like oh, real. Right. Yeah. So like you can put, uh, you know, you might have like a politician who's up there speaking and saying something and you can see them and they're physically present. They might look a little weird, but technology is so good now that you can make videos like that if you have the right software, um, yep. that are just not real. So, yeah. so even video now can't be trusted. Um, Right. And some of you might just think, well, of course it can't be, you know, everything's fake. But uh, so it doesn't necessarily matter that Jesus um, came back then when there wasn't video because we do have testimony and the testimony about it is just as powerful. Um, and I think one of the most powerful things is the lives of these disciples, what they're going to go on to do. You can fake, uh, you can tell a lie once and hold on to that lie. And people might believe you. They might, they might uh, just disregard what you have to say. But if you live a life like these disciples did, did, and even give up your life for that lie, man, it's hard to argue that you're lying. Mm -hmm. And that's what these that's what these guys did. And it wasn't just one of them or two of them. Uh, it was all of them. And then it spread to other people who kept doing the same thing. Yeah. To where now you have uh, billions of people who are Christ followers. Yeah. I was just going to say that there's power in the numbers, um, you know, of all the shared testimonies, all the people sharing the same thoughts and beliefs and everyone being on the same page. And that's kind of what you're saying with the technology, you know, millions of people could see a video um, and if it's fake or not, Hundreds of thousands of people could say it's fake. Hundreds of thousands could say, thousands could say it's real. Hundreds of thousands could come up with a reason, reasonings for both. But when there's power in numbers and many people saying the same thing, many people seeing the same thing with their own eyes, and that's the only account, it it's uh, almost more credible. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right on that for sure. Um and, and so these disciples, right, they go back, they praise God, they worship God. Uh, what a cool thing, man. I don't know, Pat, do you have any experiences of worshiping God that just felt so, like, real and alive? Uh, yeah, um, definitely. Uh, I went on a mission trip to Pakistan. Um, worshiping there, uh, it was so, uh, it felt so alive. Uh, one Sunday we went to a church to worship and they asked me to preach at that worship service and it was in a different language. The whole thing was in a language that you couldn't pick out um, mm. words um, and understand what they meant by any means. It was just so different. Uh, but sitting there, I sat alone because it, you sat on the floor and you kind of sat alone. That's just what you did. I was able to worship God listening to songs that are written in different cadence, different instruments, different styles. Um, but I was still able to worship God. And there's elements of the service where I could pick up what was going on, like communion. I was able to partake in communion um, with tons of people that 
don't speak English. Um, the language wasn't in, in English, but I was still able to worship God alongside all of those people by taking wow. communion, by singing, by praying. I don't know what they were praying about, but I know what I was praying about. Um, and so it, it was, that's when I felt like the presence of God um, in worship the most because it, it made it made God for me so real that it didn't matter that it was a different language. There's yeah. no question about it that God was there because I was still worshiping and yeah. you know, who I don't know the lyrics of the songs or anything. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Worship is, uh, will be the, the central act of the church or of all of people when we get into heaven. Some people think when you go to heaven, you're going to sit on a cloud, play a harp and, uh, or <laughs> have everything you want, you know, like, oh, I want a giant steak and you'll get a giant steak or I want a Ferrari and you'll be driving a flying Ferrari through heaven, right? Or whatever, you know, like people yeah. think it's just, you know, whatever your heart's desire is, is that that's what you'll have. And I think what we forget is what our true core heart's desire at the, the center of who we are is to worship God, to bring glory to God and to enjoy that moment. Um, that is what people really, truly want. Um, everything else that kind of comes out of that is, uh, it, it can be boiled down to that one thing. And it's yeah. that connection with the creator. And so if we uh, think about heaven, heaven's going to be like a big worship service. So when we worship together in church, especially when you do international worship with other believers um, in different experiences, man, it is like a little example of heaven. That's at least how yeah. I how I've uh, how I've dealt or how I've uh, interpreted that in the past or experienced that in the past is getting a little taste of heaven when you yeah. get to worship with other people. And it might be awkward at first, and sometimes you'll go into it thinking like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to do this. Or, man, I hope this service doesn't last like five hours because um, <laughs> I don't want to get stuck here forever. And then you get into the moment, and you get into worshiping God, and God just feels present and there, and and then it just doesn't matter, right? Everything kind of fades right. away. And so I think that's what's happening with these these people these disciples are just caught up in this amazing act of worship, which yeah. is cool, man. I'm, you know, I'm like getting excited just talking about it. Yeah. You know, uh, we've talked about it long enough. We're out of time for today's Devo. Uh, my closing thought is find time to uh, praise the Lord uh, today, sometime uh, on your own. Worship the Lord just like the disciples did in this story. Amen. <laughs>